You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Tom. And this is Ariana from Lifestyle Builders. And you're listening to the What's Up Next Podcast. My name is Tom Latuga from Buffalo, New York, and you're listening to the What's Up Next Podcast. Up next, where your hosts, Paul David Thompson and Doc G, take the discussion on topics in the financial independence movement to the next level. Guest panelists share their opinion to questions that don't have clear answers to help you refine your path to financial independence. Yeah, I've got should. electrolytes, so I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul Thompson, what's up next? Hey, Doc. Well, we have a common question today that I find absolutely confounding because I am often asked this question in my business. How do I get my spouse's buy-in? I've never been able to come up with a good answer for it. I'm lucky because my spouse was on board from day one of my business. I don't really know how to coach someone along that path. So we brought in a couple whose business is helping people and couples build their business, quit their job, and live their ideal lifestyle. And we have a third guest who will be our case study. He is in the throes of pursuing financial independence and wants to get his spouse's buy-in. So we'll begin with introductions. We are Tom and Ariana Sylvester from Lifestyle Builders. And we basically, I set a goal to retire by 35. Ariana was not on board and we spent the next several years figuring out how to make that happen. My name is Tom Latuga from Buffalo, New York, and I am on a path to financial independence. And I'm hope I offered to be their case study because uh, I'm trying to get the wife on board. Ariana, so this was always the plan for you, right? You were going to graduate college, build your own businesses, and quit work by 35 right out of the <laughs> door, right? No, no. No, we were very much on the quote-unquote five-year plan where we were going to graduate college, we were going to get married, buy a house together, start the lives, you know, have kids, the kind of traditional path, as you would put it. And Tom, tell us a little bit about what your educational backgrounds are and what were you planning to go into when you left college? Yeah, so my degree was in computer science. Ariana's was in zoology. And I think that was part of the challenge was, you know, the advice that people often get is, hey, what do you like to do? go get a degree in that. And so that's what we did. And as we were graduating, what we found was that we were in like, I don't know, $65,000 worth of student loan debt in addition to credit card and some other stuff. And when we looked ahead, you know, we didn't have jobs. Uh, there wasn't a lot of prospects, especially for Ariana's work. And when I looked at what that life, uh, you know, what that future path looked like, you know, it wasn't what I had initially planned. Tom Latuga, did you get that same advice and did your wife too kind of go into what you're interested in and tell us a little bit about your educational background? Sure, absolutely. Uh, I'm a pharmacist by trade. Somehow I figured out exactly what I wanted to do by age 16, just helping people, you know, in the aisle of a pharmacy is pretty surreal. I know not everyone's got that opportunity. Just did the typical meet the wife in school, uh, get married after school kind of do your thing. Uh, we also had to climb out of some student loan debt. It's just gotten insane lately, just the new grads and things like that. But And then uh, just came across, uh, you know, like, what do you do with a 401k, 403b, that kind of stuff. And So let's go back a little bit. Both your, you and your wife are pharmacists, is that correct? Yes, sir. And she wanted to be a pharmacist from the beginning. That was kind of a lifelong dream for her as it was for you? I believe it was, yeah. All right. Tom Sylvester, 
I sense a change in you. At some point, you mentioned nine months before you guys got married, uh, you all of a sudden decided to take a real estate course. Tell us a little bit about that and how much did it set you back? Yeah, so what ended up happening was as we were getting ready to graduate, I didn't like the path we were on. And so I said, you know what? We're going to retire by 35. And I had no idea how to make it happen, but I basically figured that you know it was long enough to figure it out, but not so long that we're going to miss out on life along the way. And so... To, to figure out how to do that, I started looking at people that were where we wanted to be. Uh, well, maybe I should say where I wanted to be. And what ended up happening was every time I would come up with an idea, whether it was investing in the stock market, whether it was starting a business, whether it was doing real estate, Ariana shot every one of them down. And so I was driving home from work one day, just so depressed because I'm like, how are we going to make this happen? If every time I try to do something, she says no. And so I heard an ad on the radio for this like free two hour real estate training. I went to that. Then it said like, oh, you have a three-day training for 500 bucks. So I went to that. And then at the three-day training, they offered quote unquote advanced training for anywhere from like 5,000 to like $40,000. And so right away, I'm like, okay, there's no way we can afford this. We were like $200,000 in debt at this point. And then I just had this nagging thought in my mind of like, all right, if we don't do this, I'm not gonna be able to make it work. Um, So my cousin was with me. We decided to split it. So I put my 7,500 half on two high interest credit cards, uh, then went home and realized we're getting married in nine months. And I had to tell Ariana that I just invested in real estate training, even though she already didn't want to do real estate. And as Tom is saying this, I'm watching Ariana's face and she's making the most interesting face as he's talking about this, even all of these years later. Ariana, you were already in debt and Tom waltzes in and says, not only am I spending $500, I'm going to spend a few thousand dollars. How did that feel? Where were you at that point? Honestly, I was pretty speechless. Um, We met freshman year of college, so we had a pretty solid relationship and pretty solid communication all through those years of college. We graduated, we lived in an apartment together, then we bought a house together right before we got married. So this real estate training came like six months after we had just bought the house and about nine months before we were supposed to get married. So it was a really, really large financial decision that up till that point, we had done all of those together. So for me, it was, it was almost like a betrayal of trust because after how many years together, six years together, all of a sudden he went and did this crazy risky thing out of, it seemed like out of the blue for me because I wasn't picking up on the signs all along that there was something going on underneath. Tom Sylvester, tell me a little bit about that. What was going on underneath? I know there's a reference in your book, Lifestyle Builders, about reading The Automatic Millionaire by David Bach. Was that part of what set you off on this different path? Yeah. So as I started telling my friends at college that I didn't like what the future looked like, uh, I had a friend recommend David's book. And I, at that point, I hated reading. I avoided it at all costs. And I read it and it really opened my mind up to the fact that I could become a millionaire. Uh, the only downfall when I got done was I was like, man, it's going to take 45 years. And then the next book I read after that was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which a lot of people have read. And that totally changed my mind to say, oh, well, I can take what David had said, but then really compress the time frame using a lot of the principles from Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And so that's really where I started like basically saying, okay, we can make this work, but we've got to compress the time scale and not just use you know, compounding interest like everybody else does in order to achieve that goal. And Tom Latuga, what Tom right there is expressing is an awakening that happened to him shortly before, after he was out of college. At what point did you have your awakening? It sounds like there must have been a moment where you said, okay, the path we're on is not working. Can you describe that for us a little bit? Well, I, th- I think I started down the traditional, you know, oh, it's, I have a 403B. How do I even invest? You know, got me into the whole world of finance. I was definitely planning on doing the whole typical work to 65, do the retirement, et cetera. Sometime around maybe... 2015, 16, you know, all the, all the blogs started showing up on my radar. Uh, Choose FI was probably one of the bigger ones, I believe, in about 2017. And then I started to realize that, oh, you don't have to stuff all this money into a retirement account and then just all of a sudden you're a millionaire and, uh, you know, making these massive RMDs. So then I realized you can live on less. Um, probably one of the most eye-awakening things recently was reading Your Money or Your Life. And just, wow, just the emotion behind it. Uh, you know, it's not about consumption. You know, you can be happy doing 
less. Uh, you know, it's not about spending your way to happiness. And as you're taking this journey, did you feel like your wife was taking it with you? Or was this something you were doing a little more on your own, maybe as, as Tom Sylvester was talking about? Uh, it was definitely on my own. Uh, the wife is, she was actually very trusting uh, of me in terms of handling the finances, you know, just making the investment decisions. Uh, you know, she still wrote the checks, things like that. So she was still involved. Um, but just for some reason, finance just didn't interest her. Uh, I'm definitely the money nerd. I wouldn't call her the spender per se, uh, but I'm definitely the saver uh, of the two of us. Ariana, at one point, Lifestyle Builders, I believe Tom says it's hard being married to an entrepreneur. And I would add in that it's probably hard being married to someone interested in financial independence. Is that a correct statement? I mean, did you find that in the beginning of your relationships, especially when you, he started talking about all these entrepreneurial things he wanted to do? Yeah. I mean, when it first starts, it's kind of like he's speaking a completely different language. Um, this was not something I had ever encountered in my entire life. No one in my family, none of the friends that we knew had ever talked about financial independence. Um, I mean, I can remember back to, I didn't really even have that many talks with my parents or close family members about money in general. So to then start talking about, you know, and, and obviously in our case, there was a financial independence piece to it, but it was through entrepreneurship, which was, I guess, added scariness for me because, you know, to jump into business is a lot of risk and there's a lot of fear around it because it's something new and different that I was not, I didn't even know all of this stuff existed really. So it was, um, it was really hard for me. It was really scary to get uncomfortable like that. Yeah. And, and to that point, you know, what we saw ourselves and then what we've seen a lot of others is that you know, most people are on whatever their path looks like. And often it's that traditional path. And what ends up happening, like you said, is there's an epiphany or there's something that happens in one spouse's life that makes them realize that the path they're on isn't the path they want to be on. And then the biggest challenge that we often see is that because that happens, that spouse is like in and ready to go, but they completely forget that there's the, the spot, the other spouse isn't there yet. They didn't have the same epiphany. And so instead of talking about like what you want to do, like I kept talking about starting a business or investing in real estate and not even talking about financial independence, but really going that level deeper and understanding like, why do you want to do this? And then what is their incentive and what's in it for them for joining you on this path? And I think that's the thing that we, as the one who really get excited about this often forget about. And that's why we feel like it's such a challenge. Tom Latuga, Tom Sylvester right there talks about that epiphany. And for him, the epiphany is that he had this big audacious goal of taking the entrepreneurial path to financial independence by 35. What was your big audacious goal? What was your epiphany? I definitely think it was having kids. You just realize you're responsible for somebody else. And now I have two responsibilities, third on the way. Uh, I don't know if the wife actually made an announcement yet, but you know, we're going to have a third kid. <laughs> so it's official. Thank you. Uh, so now I have even more responsibility, my goodness. But uh, yeah, it's just, you know, being responsible for somebody else. And I definitely agree that you have the, the spouse needs to have their own awakening. You can't just drag them along. And this is not a financial decision. It's really more about the emotion. Uh, and so you need to find out what makes them tick. I feel like you need to tell us more about what your actual goal is. So we talked about the epiphany and you said, well, my children caused the epiphany, but what is the epiphany itself? Is it a goal of financial independence? Is it a goal of not being a pharmacist anymore? Like before you get spousal buy-in, I feel like I need to know more about what your true goals are. So I, I definitely love what I do. I see no reason not to continue it uh, indefinitely, maybe not till 65, we'll see. But it's just more about finding what's your enough uh, you know, that, that, that level of satisfaction, just, you know, I don't need the whatever number, you know, 1 million, 2 million, whatever number you just decide that it is. Um, you know, you can be happy with 40,000, 50,000, 60,000. And then um, I think going back to the, my money nerd roots is that, you know, you can play the tax game and realize that you can have a $70,000 income, especially as a married couple, pay very little taxes on capital gains. And, you know, I know I'm getting a little deep into it, but it's just... You know, you can, you can have stuff and you can make money and have an income without, you know, needing that six-figure income. 
So your goals maybe are to work less or to provide more financial stability for your family. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. So Tom Sylvester, how do we bridge that gap then? How do we move past that disconnect? So you were at this point where you were moving a mile a minute and Ariana wasn't there yet. What were some of the initial steps that you found helped? Yeah, well, it, it took us a while to really navigate through this. Uh, the biggest thing that I saw was rather than me telling her what I wanted to do, there was really two things. One was sharing why I wanted to do it. So for example, and I said, you know, the goal isn't, you know, starting the business or even retiring by 35. The goal and why I want to do it is really because I know in the future, like we're going to have kids, we're going to have a family and I want us to have the options to do what we want and not be restricted or constrained by this debt that we have or these jobs that we have that may require us to move to a different area or do things that we don't want to do. So one, it was sharing why I wanted to do this. But the second one was really just asking and listening. And I think this is something that a lot of us don't do enough of. Ask what they want. And then especially when they start talking about the, the fear or the things that are going to come up, just listen and probe a little bit deeper so that we understand where they want to go. And then also what fears or concerns they have, because they might be valid concerns that we need to address, or they might just be stories that that person has in their head that we can work through. But until you're able to align on where you want to be in the future and why, it's going to be very difficult to then determine the path of how. Ariana, was there a point where Tom said something to you that really did allay those fears? Can you remember the gelling moment when you kind of said, oh, that makes sense? No, because it happened multiple times. <laughs> so as Tom said, like this, this took many years. Um, I was not, we didn't have like one conversation and then boop, uh, the switch was flipped and I was ready to go. This was years of a process that, you know, we had to learn about each other. We had to learn how to communicate better because obviously having some of these deeper conversations when you have two people that are very different personalities, uh, they don't always end up as productive as you want them to be. So there were a couple moments where I do remember it was kind of like an either or moment. And the first one was obviously after he spent the money in the real estate training. Because for me, that was the, that was the indication that there was something, there was a gap. We were not on the same page. And that opened it up to allow us to get on the same page. And when he shared why it was so important to him, it was like, well, duh, yeah, that's, that's what I want too. So, okay, I can at least support you in this dream of yours, but I don't know if I'm necessarily going to join you in it yet. Um, the next one I would have to say was probably years later uh, when we started our third business and we had kind of picked a brand and we're doing this thing that didn't really feel aligned to me. Um, and I remember having a really tough conversation where he actually offered to just stop everything. Do we need to just stop everything and go back to having jobs? You know, because my, my most important thing is for you to be happy. And when he said that to me, it clicked that like, okay, that's, that's a big deal for him to offer to give up everything, all of these things that we've done in the past however many years and to completely change the trajectory. Um, it made me realize that he's truthfully in it for us to be happy. And it gave me the strength to kind of get over some of those fears and push forward. Tom Latuga, let's talk more about fears. What do you think it is that your wife fears so much? So when you were probing me for uh, uh, this interview and you actually made me think about, you know, having some conversations with her and I tried and I don't actually think it's so much fear, but just more of not realizing that there is another path. Um, because when you, you asked me on the phone and you're like, so what does your wife think about retiring in 10 years? I believe it's the number you picked. And I said, didn't actually ask her. Like I haven't had that conversation yet. Uh, so I went home and unfortunately she's not here today on the interview, but uh, I said, honey, you know, like what if we could retire in 10 years? What do you think? And she goes, Oh, well, you know, I would do more of my hobbies, but I'd probably still work. Uh, and I was just like, okay, we, you know, I, I scratched the surface. I started the conversation and unfortunately now I have to 
find a way to retire in 10 years, but uh, <laughs> oops. So I'll figure something out. So I have a follow on question that, that kind of harkens back to both of y'all's comments just now. Ariana, you mentioned joining Tom in the business. And I guess the question is, is it an expectation that the spouse should join the business or is it just separate that it just you're on the same page and you may support your spouse on what they want to do? Yeah. So the expectations are 100% to be on the same page. Um, in this case, our situation just worked out that I was able to leave my job, stay home with our first child and manage our first two businesses. So that to me just made sense. And, you know, along the way, it kind of just, it was like I was getting pulled closer and closer to this entrepreneurship thing. And at one point I just was like, all right, I give up. I'm an entrepreneur. Um, but for a lot of people, it may not be the case. And we actually suggest not trying to force that because a lot of people trying to work together can cause a lot of problems. And we have gone through so many challenges trying to work together in three businesses and parenting with two kids. It's a lot. So our suggestion is 100% get on the same page. If your spouse shows an interest in your business or in, you know, being in the fire with you, then by all means, like, you know, answer their questions, invite them in, but be clear on what the goal is. And that's to be on the same page. And Tom Sylvester, is it enough for a spouse just to support or do they have to be actively involved? No, absolutely. Support's enough. And the way we look at it is building on Ariane's point. We want to be on the same page. And part of that then allows us to say, okay, there's all these different paths of how we can get there. Let's evaluate them, figure out which path is right for us. And when you do that, then you say, okay, what roles are we each going to play on that? You know, and what you might even find, like we've talked to a whole bunch of couples that they might find that once they achieve this or when they're well on the way, it might be that that other spouse maybe starts their own business because they have something they're passionate about or they get to the point like Ariana did and say like, hey, yeah, let's do this together. So it's less about having to do everything together and more about being aligned and then figuring out what role you each play and how you contribute to getting to that desired vision. Yeah, I'd like to echo that. Based on my experience, my wife attempted to join me in my business a couple of times and it didn't fit. Uh, we got along fine, but it just did not suit her personality. And she had to take a step back and say, this is not for me. This is not fit for me at all, but that's okay. We are, we want the same thing, but the roles just weren't that she was going to be part of the business. Tom Latuga, as we talk about these different roles that spouses play, it makes me wonder for you what your overall goal is. What role would you like your wife to play in this financial independence space that you're wading through right now? Well, we don't have any businesses uh, running at the moment. So, uh, you know, we're, we have the W-2 jobs. Um, in terms of, I think I just want to make sure that she's as, uh, she finds happiness, she finds her enough. I just don't want her to get lost in the typical consumerism you know, the marketing and everything else that we see, you know, on the TV and on the radio, those kinds of things, um, you know, and just, just to make sure that she's spending as much time as she wants to at home with the kids, uh, with us doing her own thing, you know, that's, that's totally fine. You know, we don't enjoy each other's hobbies all the time and that's completely fine. Uh, so I just, I just want to make sure that she is maximizing her happiness as much as possible. So Tom, quick question for you. If you look at your wife, uh, what are the couple things that you would say she absolutely wants to have and she likes spending money on it makes her happy versus maybe some stuff that she, you know, couldn't care less or wouldn't be worried about if you guys were able to cut back and make adjustments? Yeah. So that's exactly what I'm discovering with that book, Your Money or Your Life. Um, just tabulating your expenses and putting in the in uh, the other columns, the pluses and the minuses, like, yes, I want to spend more on that. I want to spend less on that. And I think that was echoed with that gentleman, uh, Ramit Sethi. Uh, I'm probably butchering his name. But uh, yeah, just just to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to do. Uh, yeah. I definitely need to find out what her top 10 things that she enjoys is. And who knows, it might not be, you know, spending might not be on that list at all. So I definitely need to have that conversation. Yeah. And I mean, the reason I ask that is because as we, we look to compress that time frame for retirement, what we want to make sure we're not doing is cutting everything back and not being able to enjoy that journey. And I think that's a, a big mistake that we see happen are far too often is we get excited and we go all in on it 
And it ends up being really boring and we end up hating the journey, which we don't want to do. And one of the things that I know Ariana and I went through was really having these conversations. And I remember explicitly, there was one time where we we're talking about downgrading our vehicles. And there was one point where Ariana's like, quit talking about this. It's, it's not going to happen. And it was funny. So I stopped talking about it. And then a little bit later, as we were talking about other goals, she said, you know what? It actually makes a lot of sense. Let's, let's do that. And so by realizing what's truly important to us and what makes us happy and spending on that, and then the areas that not and cutting back, it often lets us hit both of those at the same time. You know what? I love our meals from Factor. My son started getting them about a year ago when he needed a quick alternative to meals on the go. But where we've really enjoyed them is we've been remodeling our kitchen. That's right. We've had no access to our kitchen for the last few weeks. And some nights we just had no idea what to do for a meal. That is where Factor came in. We would just pop the meal in the microwave and two minutes later we'd have a fantastic meal. You can do the exact same thing and there's tons of variety. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options including calorie smart, keto, protein plus, or vegan and veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week. These are chef-prepared meals and let me tell you they are delicious. No fuss, no mess. You just put it in the microwave and two minutes later, you have a meal. This is tailored to your schedule. You can customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Head to factormeals.com slash earn50 and use your code earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code earn50 at factormeals.com slash earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. All right, so most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is there's something better, and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago, and I knew immediately that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor. And it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner, and now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com slash E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Ariana, does Tom Latuga sound familiar to you? Does, is this what your entrepreneurial coaching looks like when you talk to couples about their goals? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times it is very much, you know, one spouse has the idea and wants something bigger and it just, it takes time to get the other spouse to become aware of the other options. Um, it takes time for the spouse to like say, yeah, I do want that option. And then, okay, that's a little, it's a little scary. That's a little different. Like it's going to take a little bit time once they choose the option to like jump into the option and say, yep, okay, I'm on board. Um, and you know, a lot of what we see too, is it, it kind of happens in stages. Um, so as Tom talked about, like 
when we were first discussing this whole financial independence thing and talking about the money, I was adamantly against getting rid of my vehicle. It was a very nice vehicle. I had to deal with Tom traveling for work for two years while I had a three and a half year old and was pregnant. And then I had an infant. So I was by myself for four days a week. And I was like, you know what? I deserve this vehicle and I wanted it. But as we started talking about what the future goals were, one of the goals was for Tom to eventually leave his job. So as we looked at finances together and talked about the budget, I, I kind of came to be like, okay, I know that I really didn't want to get rid of this vehicle, but it's silly that I'm holding on to something like this when if it means Tom can leave his job sooner, it's kind of selfish of me as the spouse to hold on to that thing. And, you know, my one caveat I will say is that I had some things that were on the table and then there was something that was completely off the table. And that was when we had the discussion around downgrading our house. And I, that was like, nope, I am not doing that. It's just off the table for me. So I think that was really helpful too, is having that conversation about some of these different things like okay, is this on the table? Is this off the table? Is this something you really enjoy? I sing in a women's choir. I stopped singing for a season and I was like, I can't do that. I need to stay doing this thing that I love because it fills me up. And to be able to get rid of some of those other things that are less important, you have to hold on to the ones that are very important to you. Tom Lechuga, I love that term off the table. Is that something that you've encountered with your wife? Are there issues or expenses that are off the table that you just know you can't approach? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's just say that if she had to choose me or animals, she would pick animals. So we'll just leave it at that. We're just going to make it work. The animals, the budget goes to the animals every week. Absolutely. So, Tom Sylvester, this sounds to me like a cart and a horse issue. Like sometimes we start with our goals instead of starting with good communication. Is that one of the mistakes Tom Latuga seems to be making from what you can tell? Yeah, you know, what What it really comes down to is getting aligned. And as Ariana said, this doesn't just happen through one conversation. You have some initial alignment that you get to. And then, you know, what the, the analogy we often use is it's like GPS, right? So with GPS, you've got a starting point, which is where you're at today. You've got a destination, which is where you want to go. And then you've got adjustments or check-in along the way. And the coolest thing a GPS does is you start down that journey because it gives you the roadmap. And then you're checking in. Are we still on track? Good. Let's keep going. Or, hey, did you miss a turn or did something now change? Maybe that destination is slightly different than we thought. And now we got to make an adjustment. So what we found is just continuing to have these conversations and just make sure that you're progressing towards the general direction you want to go. And you'll be able to refine and adjust along the way. Yeah, I just want to add that from my personal experience. Um, and this is to all the other uh, folks out there that their spouses are not on board. Make sure you're attacking it from multiple angles. Um, make sure you're communicating in the ways that they want to be communicated to. So like, I'm the money nerd. I love my Excel spreadsheets. I have the numbers. But one day I was just sitting on the laptop, on the couch, you know, doing my thing. And, uh, and someone in one of my, our local groups suggested, well, you know, maybe she's a visual person. So I'm like, okay. So I made a pie chart, pretty colors, et cetera. And I didn't need the pie chart, but I was just like, what the heck? Let's try it. And all of a sudden she sits down on the couch and she goes, what's that? And I was like, oh, this is my in. Like, I got this. And then the kid starts crying. But, you know, so eliminate the distractions. But, um, you know, maybe there's a different way. Maybe your, your spouse or your partner is a, is a visual person. Um, so it's just, just got to find another way to communicate what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. I'd like to speak on that because that's the thing that we encountered as well. Um, we are very different. So similarly, Tom is the money nerd and he likes to spreadsheet everything and give me all these numbers and I'm not a numbers person. So when he first wanted to do real estate and he was coming at me with all these numbers and I was like, I don't know what any of that means. I need to like, what are you telling me in layman's terms? What does this mean to me? And when he changed how he said it, like, this means that in 15 years, we will get this much income from all of these properties. I was like, oh, okay. So that, that to me makes, makes more sense. I'm, I'm seeing what the, essentially the outcome will be of investing in real estate. That's all I needed to know. I didn't need to know all of the numbers. And, you know, one of the things that we did as a couple was take a lot of personality assessments. 
And that was really helpful for us because we figured out those things about ourselves. I'm a very emotional person. So he knows when he is coming at me with a big discussion, he has to be prepared for the emotions and kind of talk me through those. It can't just be a logical, practical conversation because there are going to be emotions that come out. And same with him. I tend to be a critical person where I'm always asking questions about how things are going to work. And it can come off very negatively for him when he has this big vision idea. So for me, I try to kind of soften or rephrase how I ask him those questions so that I'm not triggering his response And on the other end, he's not triggering my response. So I think that's really important what you talked about there with like learning about your spouse so that when you're trying to have those conversations, you have productive ones. So can you recommend what those assessments would be, those personality tests? Are there ones, are there some go-tos that you like to use? I think the ones that worked the best for us were the DISC assessment, um, the Myers-Briggs, and then... uh, funny one that we, we always talk about. It's not really a business personal assessment, but uh, we took the five love languages test. So that really helped us to understand too what was important um, to the other person and kind of changes how you do communication sometimes as well. I'm glad you mentioned that one because I've often thought if there were actually financial independence money languages that we should have our heads around. Uh, They might be similar, but not identical to the actual love languages. Mm -hmm. But I I don't have the answer for that. But I think there's a nugget of wisdom in that. When I was reading that book, there's an idea that I think he talks about, at least in his audible version. And he went the chapters on receiving gifts as the one love language. He said, when you invest in yourself, so not necessarily gifting to the spouse, but actually putting money away to investments, he says, that's the equivalent of you gifting that money to yourself and not your spouse or not to your family per se. I'm not sure if I completely agree with it, but it is definitely an interesting, oh, hey, maybe this is like the anti-love language. Uh, so we just got to be a little bit careful about being, uh, well, too much of a tightwad. Tom Sylvester, I'm wondering if I'm a little bit biased here. And the reason why is we did an episode about financial independence causing marital distress with Andy uh, from Marriage, Kids, and Money and the CTFs. And then talking to both you and Tom Latuga, it always seems like it's the husband who's rushing forward with the numbers and the entrepreneurship and the wife who isn't quite there yet. Is that what you're seeing in your coaching or are you seeing it the other way around where you have the wife racing forward and the husband who's kind of sitting back on way, wait, wait, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> um, it depends. You know, I, I think part of it comes down to the traditional roles that, you know, um, men and women have played in society. So very often, uh, you know, especially back years ago, it was like, you know, the, the male gets the job, the women stays home with the kids and that type of thing. Um, so we definitely do see that. And I, I think that was part of, you know, the path that I was on. What we're also seeing too, is that it's less about, you know, male or female and more about, you know, who's playing what role in the relationship. So we have a lot more uh, women that are actually the ones driving this forward. And at least for me personally, what I see often come up is that it's the one that is, feeling like they're they're going to be trapped by the path that they're on and you know it might be you know that person that has the career and is the breadwinner and i think that's probably more of what we often see is it's that one that feels like all the pressures on them and they realize that hey if we made these couple of changes I wouldn't have to worry about getting that next promotion or worry about doing these things. I would have more flexibility. And it doesn't like, cause it was funny. We talked to Andy too. And Andy actually said, I actually don't want to leave my job. I just want to have the option to. And I think that's really the key is it's really making sure that we have the options so that we don't always have to progress in our career and put that first above our family and everything else that's important to us. Ariana, is it like the dreamer versus the organizer type personality? I mean, A lot of times, yes. Um, I will say with one caveat, though, I do see a lot more women stepping into this role of entrepreneurship and being the driving force because typically they're the ones who stay home with the kids and have to leave their job. And I think kind of like they almost have like their own epiphany once they're home, like, hey, what if I didn't have to go back? So we are seeing, um, we have a lot of coaching clients who are women and we're seeing a lot more women step into that role and taking charge of like, hey, I'm going to take care of the finances. I'm going to become the breadwinner by staying home and starting my own business. 
and that they also have that ability to spend more time with their kids. Um, we're seeing homeschooling taking a, a quite a large increase as well with a lot more people deciding to keep their kids home and um, run their business and homeschool them at the same time. So Tom Latuga, is this a lonely place? I mean, are there people out there talking about spousal buy-in? Do you feel support of the community over such issues? So let me tell you, uh, all these people that are hopefully listening to this episode thinking, you know, what are the answers? What are the answers? You are not alone. Um, a lot. There's a lot of us out there not on the same page or trying to get there. There's people in our local group that we talk about, you know, they're struggling as well. So come in, share your ideas, uh, find your community. And, and it takes time. Uh, don't take it personally when the wife doesn't jump right on board right away um, or the spouse, the partner. You know, maybe you just need to find another way in. Again, you know, maybe it's a visual, maybe it's a, a numbers thing, maybe you've got to work on something else in the relationship, or maybe they have to just figure out what on their own, you know, what is their uh, reasons for their comfort? You know, are they collecting items? Uh, you know, why don't they want to get rid of them? Is there something maybe there's like uh, their identity uh, related to this? And then it's, you know, just don't take it personally. Tom Sylvester, is this a big problem in our community? Is spousal buy-in a real issue? hundred percent. You know, when uh, I remember actually when I was at that real estate training before I spent all the money, um, I got up to the microphone. I asked, I'm like, hey, I'm all in on this. How do I get my spouse on board? And there wasn't an answer then. Um, and it's the number one thing that I see. Like even uh, a couple weeks ago at FinCon, you know, there was um, the screening of playing with fire, which by the way, if anyone is struggling with this issue, definitely check that documentary out because it really is all about that journey of going through this and you get to see from both perspectives. And um, I remember there was a question in the Q&A afterwards about that. And even, you know, the panelists on the stage really didn't have a great answer. So I think it's probably the number one problem getting in the way and preventing people from starting. And um, like I said, you know, we talked about a lot of good information here. It really comes down to communication and it really comes down to asking and just being curious. And the more that you do that and the more that you talk, the more you're going to start to really understand what is it that's truly important. You know, there was a, an activity that Scott went through in that documentary that basically said like, what are the top 10 things that make you happy? And at the end of the day, it's not about financial independence. It's not about starting a business. It's truly about being happy and creating a life that enables that. So you know, don't give up if your spouse isn't on board at first. And as Tom said, realize that there's a lot of other people going through that and find those communities where you have that support because that's the biggest thing we all need on this journey. Ariana, what should Tom Latuga do if he can't eventually get some type of spousal buy-in? What do you do? One of the things that helped us a lot, and actually just recently, not even early on, I can't imagine what we would have been able to do if we had this earlier, um, we actually started going to see a marriage therapist to really help us dive further into communication, helping us get past some of the blocks that each of us had, and just deepening our relationship. Um, I mean, I would say if you are constantly trying to have the conversations and you're up against a brick wall, just really talking to your spouse and saying, I, I need to, this is going to make me happy and I need to make sure that we're okay. And in order to do that, we have to kind of find some sort of middle ground here on this conversation. Um, and obviously, you know, sometimes it can help to have a third party there because, there are those nuances of the conversation and the personality traits. And, you know, it might just be having somebody from the outside say one thing to have it click in the other person's brain. Yeah. And so whenever we bring this up, talking to a marriage therapist, even when we did it, immediately people were like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Are you guys getting divorced? Mm -hmm. And, you know, our therapist actually said it after the first conversation. She's like, you know what? You guys are doing this right. You have a good relationship. Obviously, there's some things that you guys can work on and you're investing into your relationship. And she's like, you know, love, you know, on, against popular uh, opinion, love isn't enough to take you guys through. You know, you need to have the skills and you need to have the support to make that work. And we, we tell everyone, we're like, look, if you want to be the best athlete, what do you do? You get a coach. If you want to build a business, what do you do? You get a coach. If your marriage is important and you want to build an amazing life, what do you do? You get a coach. And that's really all a therapist is. Um, so your spouse may or may not be on board at the beginning, but don't worry so much about you know the therapist piece. Worry about, once again, aligning on what you want to get and then asking, like, what support or what help can we get to make sure that we do that because it's so important to us. 
Ariana, sometimes in your business, do you guys feel like uh, you're stepping in as a therapist uh, <laughs> as part of your coaching? Sometimes, yes. Um, you know, we try not to do anything therapy related because obviously we are not licensed therapists, but a lot of times we'll find very similar themes, um, things that we ourselves have gone through, things that we have talked to the therapist about come up again and again, anytime we're talking to, you know, um, any of our entrepreneur spouses and even sometimes couples. And Tom Latuga, it, it appears to me listening during this episode that communication is probably one of your major barriers. Have you guys talked about doing some couples therapy? Uh, hasn't come to that yet. Well, we'll see. I've reached out to some of my, again, my community and, uh, we're going to find another way to uh, attack this. Um, you know, I think we touched on a little bit in the beginning that it shouldn't necessarily come directly from the spouse in terms of getting them on board. Uh, so I'm going to, uh, my other plan of attack is basically to have some other people talk to her, whether she realizes it or not. So don't tell her and we'll see what happens. Well, and, and, you know, I just want to comment a little bit on, you know, the words you just said, you said it hasn't come to that yet. And I really want to call this out because therapy should not be something that comes later on. It should actually come at the beginning. And as Ariana mentioned earlier, we're like, man, if we had only done this years before, how much it could have helped. And, um, you know, we never got therapy before we got married. We never got therapy after, and there's a lot of stuff to go through. So obviously, how you approach it and how you get her on board is one thing. Uh, but for anybody listening, I want you guys to realize that this should be one of the first things you do because it's going to make everything else easier. And the earlier you go and get support with this, the easier it's going to be. I mean, imagine if you get to a point where you're really not on the same page and maybe the relationship's even starting to deteriorate now you've got a lot more work to do. But if you go early on and you figure out how to get some of these tools so that you never get to that point, it is so much easier. Ariana, address what Tom Latuga just said. Um, this idea of having someone else approach the spouse with some of the information as opposed to you directly. Sometimes it can work. Um, Tom will tell you many times in the, in the life of our businesses together that he has told me one thing and then I just, it's, I'm not hearing it. And then I'll go talk to somebody else and they pretty much tell me the same exact thing. And I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. So it, it is completely valid concept. Sometimes it just has to come from somebody else. But what I would say is you also have to make sure it's coming from somebody that she trusts because it's not going to have the same effect on her if she like just meets somebody and they're trying to talk to her about this sort of stuff. Like it may not go over as well than if it comes from a trusted source. So my best advice in this case actually is to find somebody that has their wife on board into the fire solution and to like go out on a couple's date with them and just let her get to know the other spouse and have regular life conversations um, and allow her to maybe start having a little bit of a friendship with that person. Because now when you start to have those conversations, she can talk to the wife and get it from a different perspective. She can get it from somebody who had to go through it themselves um, as opposed to coming from somebody who would kind of be the you in the other relationship. So that, that would be my best advice is it has to be from somebody that she trusts and, you know, she's going to take that information to heart. Um, and you can't necessarily force it right off the bat. You may want to build the relationship part first and then bring the conversation up at another time. Yeah. So building off of that, that was actually one of the approaches I took with Ariana is she was like, you know, I don't, all these entrepreneurs you're talking about, they're all like single. They're not in relationships. They don't have kids. And so one of the things I did, it was a little bit against her, uh, you know, uh, something she didn't want to do initially, but we found two other couples that were running their businesses together and we actually paid and went to a mastermind that they had. You know, she was like breastfeeding after having our second child. So she did not want to go. She's like, this is the worst time. But I think what that did was open her eyes to what's available and then being able to talk to that spouse, that one who maybe isn't completely on board and get their opinion. And what we've then seen, you know, kind of by accident is people now come to us and they'll be like, you know, listening to the podcast or reading the book or doing something like that. And they'll be like, oh my gosh, Tom, I am totally you. And my spouse is totally Ariana. And what they've then been able to do is maybe get their spouse to listen to the podcast. So it, they're not hearing it from them. They're hearing it from us and through discussion, you know, or um, being able to just see other people that are doing it, kind of opening that door 
and then just letting it be there and they might gravitate and, you know, listen to some episodes or read some of the books and come at it from that different perspective. So Tom, let you could tell us after hearing what Tom and Ariana have to say, what are, is your game plan now? What are your next steps? So I, I definitely, Appreciate the clarification. Uh, the uh, my my plan of attack was, you know, basically to get another couple that's already on board, you know, involved. Uh, so you know, develop those relationships. Yeah, no, I definitely would not want a copy of me uh, basically attacking her and be like, you need to do this spreadsheets, and, you know, Excel, blah blah blah. No, that's she's got enough of me, you know, pestering her already. So uh, appreciate the clarification on that. But yeah, I think it's just I'm going to focus more on the emotional side, not so much the money. We'll be fine. I'm not worried. You know, financial independence is in our future, whether we uh, evolve this, you know, go down this path either way. Uh, So we'll get there. And again, just focus on the emotional, focus on the happiness, and uh, we'll enjoy our lives. Tom Sylvester, I'd like to ask you to give some specific information. What is your takeaway that you would give to Tom Latuga based on what you've heard so far? Yeah. So, um, biggest thing I would say is, you know, uh, schedule a date away with just your wife, have somebody watch the kids for a couple of days, go get a nice hotel, nice Airbnb, and just have some time away and have some of these, like that doesn't have to be the whole intent, the whole intent for you guys to have time together, but use an environment outside of the day to day to really have some of these conversations. Because what you'll find is that you end up being able to approach it very differently when you're in like, you know, a beautiful place and, you know, you're just relaxing and maybe taking a walk and having some wine and you'll get a lot more when you don't have all the other distractions of life coming up. So it can definitely be challenging to like, like you said, try to have this conversation and then the baby starts crying and it's like, well, we don't actually get time to focus on it. So do that. It'll one, help your relationship and be something you guys probably haven't been able to really do. And then two, it'll really open up a lot of the conversation that you can then build off of from there. Ariana, I'm going to ask you the same question, but I will second what Tom Sylvester said there. When my wife got excited about the business that I was in, it was accidentally because we went and did a weekend's trip with no kids just like that. We went to a, you know an hour away and just were having a good time. And incidentally, during that trip, she got all excited about it. And it turns out that wasn't a good fit for her, but that's exactly the trigger that started her interest in it. So that might work for you as well. So Ariana, same question for you. What is your takeaway advice to Tom Latuga? I think my, my takeaway advice is honestly, just take every little step forward as a win. Um, don't set your expectations too high. Give her time and space to kind of have this journey on her own and make sure that she has some sort of outside support system that she can kind of go to, to, you know, to talk about things, to vent about things, to get someone else's perspective on it. Um, And, you know, probably somebody else that's not within the fire movement themselves, just somebody that she trusts and can go to as she's kind of starting to talk about these things with you and start this journey. So uh, Tom Latugo, I'd like to give you a chance to share with the audience uh, where they can find you if they want to reach out to you and give you some tips, advice, so just or, or just some encouragement. And then what is up next for you? Sure. Uh, no blog, no podcast of my own, anything of that nature. Uh, just involved in the local Choose Valley Buffalo uh, local group. And then uh, hopefully I'll be at Tough Campfire Atlantic um, week one. So I'll be there hopefully next year in 2020. Just remember, you're not alone. Try to get the spouse on board as, as best as you can. Attack it from different angles. Every win is a, is a win, whether it's big or small. That's right. Well, thank you for your willingness to be on here and, and share your story because I know it will help a lot of other people. Tom and Ariana, I'd like to give you guys a chance to promote anything you're working on. I think I might know what that is. And uh, what is up next for you? Well, so we are currently really excited about our first book. It is going to be released on October 29th. Um, So the Kindle version is available now and the physical copy will be released uh, late October. So we're really excited about that. And you can find out more at lifestylebuildersbook.com. Yeah. And just uh, more information on that. Uh, The title is called Lifestyle Builders, Build Your Business, Quit Your Job, and Live Your Ideal Lifestyle. And essentially, this is the culmination of our journey as well as working with you know, hundreds, if not thousands of other entrepreneurs uh, and, and what this path looks like. And it really comes down to 
getting clear on what you want, getting your finances in order, figuring out how to make it happen, and then mentally going through that transition of, you know, really leaving your job and being able to do whatever's up next for you. So aside from launching your book, do you have anything else going on in your life you want to talk about? Lots of things. (laughs) So obviously we've got two kids and we have two other businesses. Um, So we are just living life day to day here and spending a lot of quality time with our family. That's one of the most important things for us. One of our core values is family first. Yeah. And and with that, what we found, and just so anyone who's going through this journey, um, just one piece of advice I would say, initially the focus of this and most of us achieving FI is directed at ourselves and at our family. And you'll wake up one day and you'll realize that you have that. And oftentimes this is a confusing time for people where they're like, okay, well, I've got that. What's going to drive me now? What's my purpose? And for us, what we realized was it is helping others on this journey. We know the challenges that we've been through. And so just realize that even though a lot of the focus may be internally now, what's ultimately going to you know, give you a satisfying life is the relationships that you build with people that you care about and the impact you're able to make on things that you care about. This has been the What's Up Next podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, and my co-host, Paul Thompson, we wanted to thank Tom Latuga and Tom and Ariana Sylvester. And just as the conversation was winding down, the momentum just kept building. So after the formal recording quit, the tape was still running, and the conversation and advice kept compounding on itself. Stay tuned for the bonus content that I think you'll find especially helpful. If you would like to get updates on what Doc and I are thinking up next, you can text the word NEXT to 345-345 so you can get notified of free giveaways, opportunities to engage with the What's Up Next podcast, and maybe even be a guest on the podcast. We're adding consistent content to our Facebook group, and you can get access by texting the word NEXT to the number 345-345. That's a wrap. Yay. Awesome, guys. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) So, Tom Latuga, I have a piece of advice for you. Yes, sir. You need to work on your elevator pitch. The reason why is if you're going to ever get your spouse on board, you've got to eloquently and clearly state what you're interested, why, what it means to you, et cetera. You need to have that elevator pitch down. I think that's going to help you communicate a lot because if you're not clear about what you want to your spouse – they're going to turn around and run in the other direction. And I get the feeling from you that you don't have the words lined up cleanly of what exactly you want and where you see yourself going. And I think Tom and Ariana talk about this a lot with the GPS, right? Talking about where's your endpoint and where you're at now and how you're going to get there. The more clearly you can elucidate that, the easier it is going to be for your spouse to buy in. Yeah, no, I'm definitely need to figure it out myself. What do I even want out of this? I sense that you're not exactly sure what you want out of it. And I think you're going to have trouble getting her on board if she senses that too. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the second piece of that is once you're clear on that, think about with them, what's in it for me. And that's going to be really the, the question for your wife is as you're laying all of this out, like what's in it for her? Because especially if this means that she's got to sacrifice or give things up, want to make sure that it's super clear and that's something that she cares about because that's ultimately what's going to get her on board with this. Well, I already promised her a 10-year retirement, so I'm in trouble. <laughs> so, so, so let me let me dive a little deeper. So what does 10-year retirement mean for her? What can she do in 10 years with that retirement that she can't do now? That's what I need to figure out. Yep. Figure that out because then that's the driving thing for you guys. And then every time you guys hit a rough patch or whatever, that's the North Star and it's like, hey, that's why we're doing this. Um, I have three quotes about my monitors. The first one's embrace the suck comes from the military. And it's like, listen, this is going to suck along the way. We're going to have terrible times, but we want to embrace that because we know that's getting us to where we want to go. Second one is keep moving forward. doesn't matter what goes on. We got to keep doing it. And the third one is people need you. So realize that we're doing this not only for, you know, the people in your family, but especially what you're doing with choose FI Buffalo and all of that. There's other people that are going to be inspired and need you guys. Right. So make sure that you get that elevator pitched down and that you see what's in it for her and you guys are able to work through that together. Ariana, was there a point where Tom said something to you that really did allay those fears? Can you remember the gelling moment when you kind of said, oh, that makes sense? 
No, because it happened multiple times. <laughs> Let's just say that if she had to choose me or animals, she would pick animals. So we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, something awesome. I've never thought about is like, hey, let's get on the elevator and like pitch your wife on what you're going to retire for in 10 years. That's 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 a tough assignment. Like if you had to come up with that on your own real quickly, that's that's not an easy task. But I think they're one, right. I was going to say one more thing I'll say. Um, I actually got this from Stu McLaren. He would say, poke the beehive. So whenever you find your wife frustrated or upset or whatever else, like I would literally poke Ariana, but just dive deeper on that. Like understand what she doesn't like and then look at the opposite. Hey, I know you don't like when the house is dirty and whatever else. What could we do so that that can you know, ultimately not be the case in the future? And those things that she doesn't like can then be a driver for doing these types of things. Mm-hmm. An example for that in my life was my job made me travel sometimes without a lot of notice. It was just like, you're, you're going. And I only got two or three weeks of vacation. So we had to always squeeze our vacations into this like allotment of time that I was given. And that frustrated my wife because she didn't work. And so mm. when I was able to show her that, well, when I get through this gauntlet of making these sacrifices afterwards, I don't have a job anymore and I can you know, do what I want to do when we want to do it. <laughs> And that was a, a big selling point for my wife to be supportive. Like, okay, I know right now we're making sacrifices, but in three years or 10 years or whatever your number is, uh, you can take, we now take a vacation every quarter just because we can't. Yep. And I mean, Tom, you got the book. So um, even blame us, be like, hey, I met this guy and his <laughs> wife and they do this, this weird thing. I mean, I can't tell you how many people have, like I said, stumbled on the podcast or now read the book and they just use that as an in. And I know Dave, like a lot of people use Dave Ramsey the same way. Like blame somebody else and then let them get exposed to it through that. Yeah. And you guys, you guys lay out a very clear framework um, to how to address these issues. And once you you get to know Tom and Ariana, you, you, unlike Dave, you don't dislike them afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best compliment we've got. (laughs) You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts.